Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank church basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And we had a exciting, fun weekend. Not really because of anything in particular, other than it was actually really nice weather oh, yeah. for the so first nice. time in a long time. Rob, did you do anything to enjoy it? I stood out in the sun. <laughs> you just did? stood there. We we so walked did a little around. like sunbathing. Sun get what's that called? Sun gazing that hippies do, where they stand and like stare at the sun. Do they wear clothing when they do this? <laughs> well, usually you're like limited clothing. Clothing you know? optional. Yeah. I, I was wearing clothing. I'll just okay. say that. Um, Is hippies an offensive word these days? I'm just curious because everything's offensive these days. I don't know if it's offensive. I didn't mean it offensive. I, offen- I like I, it. Well, exactly. That's the point. Yeah, I didn't you, mean You could didn't say, mean you know, homeless, Whoa. but all of a sudden now I'm offensive. Houseless. Oh, it's houseless. Oh, okay. I thought a house was a home. I didn't realize I was offending somebody. Well, you can make a house a home, but... What, what is the reasoning behind that? Because of that, because it, you have a home. You have, like, a town that is your home. You have a place oh. that is your home. Um, yeah, but you don't have a house that you're living in. Mm. That's why. It's like making it, se- yeah, to, making it seem like they don't have a place they belong because they don't have a house, a physical house. So a house is a home, but a home isn't necessarily a house. Or no, 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 the other yeah. way around. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, your home. You could you could be referring to your hometown, you know, your childhood home. Yeah. Your just being around you boys. That's <laughs> when I feel like I'm home. <laughs> yeah. I sorry, I rabbit trailed there. <laughs> that was you a said serious hippie. rabbit trail. You said hippie, and I'm like, man. I don't I'm just think like, it's offensive. Is really, is everything offensive these days? I don't think hippie is offensive. I I feel like it's an endearing term. Yeah, you think people are still naming and claiming that? I they like so. it? I don't know. I'd, I'd take it. I used to never wear shoes. <laughs> I'd get called a hippie sometimes. And I was like, oh, that's fun. You did try to grow your hair last year. But you're not year. somebody who's easily offended. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You could probably call me you're, a lot. Of, you're, you're a unique person in these, day, in these days and age. There's probably a lot of things you could call me and I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I got called that. <laughs> uh, but definitely the term hobo. Is not allowed. Yeah, anymore. that's that's. that's I think that's offensive. Did you ever riff raff? Is riff riff raff is offensive. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's rude. Pro- we were just talking about that. That is a rude term. <laughs> that's that's what made me say that. Yeah. Someone said riff raff. Cody was. Uh, Someone said riff raff. My old town people would say that toll bridge keeps the riff raff out. Right. And you'd be like. You, wait, no human wait. being is a riff. Well, you would just look at him and be like, Are you seriously just said that? Like, you feel good about yourself right now? You said <laughs> that out loud? You feel like that's crazy. Yeah, oh, that kind of sucks. I just remember when I was a kid <laughs> dressing up for Halloween one year at least, I dressed up as a hobo, which was a homeless person. That's like, that's mm-hmm. like, well, isn't that a hobo cool thing to do? But hobo, I feel like, refers to kind of like back in the day, the people that jumped on the trains, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And would ride the trains all over. You know, like the stick with a little knapsack on it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's like, I feel like it's referring to kind of an old fashioned thing. That, well, that's, that's, a nomad. that's what it was. But yeah. A wanderer. Yeah. They're an adventure. Anyways, the sun this week. Uh, I did take the family out on a walk from my house. That is how we got there, huh? Because yeah. you stare at the sun sometimes? I stare at the sun. Okay. We walked to uh, the farmer's market, opened up, and there was quite a bit of people there. Well, there's a good amount of vendors. Um, <laughs> nah, the people were limited when I got there. What? Why is that I so funny? Oh, there's a lot of people. Well, let me just say, not a lot of people, but there, of, were, there were people selling stuff. There's a lot there. of people selling things, not <laughs> a lot no of people walking things. around. It is true. There I'm was offended already. There was few people yeah, perusing that's offensive, and a lot dude. of people <laughs> wanting to sell things. Um, Making but, fun of a town's like farmer's market is offensive. But dude, there, there was a good like cookie <laughs> shop. I think, I don't know where they're out of. Maybe they're out of. I think they're out of Tualatin or Westland, maybe, mm. but they had really good cookies. So gluten free cookies. Was it was a was cool. it a shop or were they shopless? And they were just they in the tent. have a shop, so they are not houseless okay. or homeless. <laughs> they have a shop, but they set up there for the um yeah for the farmers market. So that was pretty cool. We did that. My aunt uh, rolled into town. She's currently in the process of moving from California to Idaho. They have a few acres. That, I think they have four. Mm-hmm. They have like two subdivided two acre lots or something. Most of it's lumber or like, you know, trees. Timber. So, timber. Is that what you call it? 
Well, I mean, it's not lumber yet yeah. until they cut it down. Well, he, he, yeah, my, my, uh, my aunt's husband is hoping to, pro- to probably, you know, cut down some of those trees and sell them. Uh, but then also just to develop it. So anyways, they're, mm-hmm. they stopped by and parked in our parking lot for a night and hung out at church and they really enjoyed it. So that was cool. Uh, I haven't seen them in a while. So that was pretty fun. My son today, unbeknownst to me, won an award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for those of you guys who know Owen, this award is kind of perfect. From Eccles Elementary, he won the Curiosity and Wonder Award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's, I guess that I think is those a are wonderful like, award to win. Yeah, they have like, uh, you know, different attributes that they're you know, promoting to the kids. Oh, be, be curious. I, can, I think this is one of those. Anyway, so he won that. He is a very curious and uh, wonder-filled Mm-mm. boy. I don't know if he's wonderful all the time, but... Wondered about. <laughs> we, <laughs> we definitely wonder about him. <laughs> Anyways, that was my week. What's going on with you boys? I Aaron, also hung out in the sun. You're, it yeah, I know. Nice. You had to move a ton of earth. Well, yeah, I need to build a retaining wall on the side of my house. So I got inspired. I think like when it's cold and rainy and not nice weather i'm like not inspired to do anything productive in my yard or something like that so right when the sun came out i felt like you know i just got in this strange mood to clean and you know organize and stuff like that so anyway started on that i did play a little golf this week and i chose the hottest day of the week to do it on purpose and so that was really nice to go do that and uh other than that just kind of a normal week nice Yeah, right on the family. How about you, Cody? Cody played some basketball and hurt himself again. I played some basketball today. I didn't hurt myself. I stepped (laughs) on someone and it hurt. You hurt somebody else. (laughs) I didn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, You should see the other guy. Yeah, you should see the other guy. (laughs) No, this was one of my worst weeks of basketball yet, so I won't talk about it. Okay. I'll only talk about it when I do good. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, But (laughs) this weekend, though, Emily was in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Which was funny because she was in the snow up in the mountains in Colorado. Um, but she said it was warm. Like she wore a t-shirt in the snow. Wait, um, did you say Colorado? Colorado? What do you say? You say Colorado? Colorado. I say, I've always said Colorado. Is it Lake Oswego or Lake Oswego? Is it Puyallup? It's Wallop. <laughs> Dude, that was hilarious It is Lake Oswego. Sunday. It is Puyallup. Puy. Although Pew. <laughs> Pew? Pew. Like yeah, Pew like, Pew? like you Pew sit Allop. in the Pew. Yeah. Okay, Puyallup. You sit in the Pew next to your friend Al. Puyallup. Who got up? Puyallup. Yeah, <laughs> that that wow. was very helpful. Although you know what's weird about that? I always say Puyallup, but they used to refer to the fair because the Puyallup Fair is the Oregon State Fair. It's massive, huge, um, and uh, but it's in Washington. Yeah, but it's the Oregon State. No, fair. No, no, no. Sorry, it's the Washington okay. State Fair. Oh, yeah, thank you. That that makes more sense <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> They're but, two different states. So I mean, it's like. We used to go to this fair, yeah. and then it's like we live by the fair, and we come to this fair, and it's like, oh, you know, it's probably like fifteen of our fairs is the, like it's massive. You oh, know? Are you talking okay. trash on the Clackamas but County Fair? I, I believe I'm so yeah, when it was too. the Puyallup Fair, I believe they used to call it the Wallop and Puyallup, which makes it seem like it's probably Puyallup. Puyallup, <laughs> but I always say Puyallup. Puyallup, whatever. I, it was the, it was the it was the pew it was the pew I yeah. couldn't roll off it's yesterday. Not, yeah, it's not pooey pooallop or pooallop or yallop pew yallop. It's just pooallop. I just love um, how you were mid prayer and you're like, Lord, we just pray for this church in Washington, <laughs> and it just starts laughing. <laughs> and, and, I, actually, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you're doing things in churches and cities of yeah, names we actually, can't pronounce. I love that. I actually love that prayer, God. <laughs> like work in some cities of tr- with names we can't pronounce. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's a great prayer, dude. That applies to so many places, <laughs> exactly. all over the world. I love that prayer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just me with the kids. So I had to get I had to coach the soccer team, and I was very worried that I would coach the first loss of the season because John Galt coached the team and played six on seven half the game, and they still won. Hmm. And uh, so I was very worried. Uh, but John John helped me, and we we pulled off a two one win, just barely. Wait, were you versus? 
John Galt's team? No, he's on his kids on his the team. Do- okay. Yeah, his okay. kids on a team. So he coached it when me and Emily were both gone for a Got weekend, it. and then he he helped me when I was actually here. So he was your assistant coach. Yeah. So Riley scored the go ahead goal. Um, it was a bit of a handball. <laughs> what do you mean? How do you have a bit of a handball? Like it, it was kicked at her, and it hit her like in the stomach and the lower Unforced. arm. Unforced. Okay. Error. Technically Unforced a handball, error, yeah, yeah. but the referee said from the beginning. That he's like, dude, you guys are kids. I'm not going to call them super tight, and so uh, if they're protecting themselves, yeah. so it counted. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a real goal. That makes um, sense. yeah, and then packed them up, went home for five minutes, and took Thailand to volleyball, and which packed, you didn't have to coach. Packed, nope, didn't have to coach, but I did line judge, which is a lot of pressure. I like no one volunteered to do it, so I said I would. And that's a lot of pressure, and I don't know that I got all the calls right. So you're calling in and out. To be totally, yeah, to be totally honest, I don't know that I got the calls right. There was one that was like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) If it's on the line, that's in. On the, touching the line is in, yeah. Okay, so even like outer line is in, okay. Yeah, which if you think about it, you got to be right on the line to be able to tell if it touched the line or didn't touch the line. You got to be right there. You just uh, lay down with your eye line along yeah. the line and just lay down the whole game. Right. So it was close, <laughs> yeah. so I just called it out, gave our team the point. <laughs> I don't know what else you got to do. <laughs> and then went home for five minutes and then picked Emily up at the airport. So Man, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was a good day. What's this podcast? We should be talking about the Bible, right? You want yeah. to? You want to transition now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Exodus. Let's talk about Exodus for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 33. Chapter 33, we're looking at basically the kind of fallout of the golden calf stuff. Yeah, God's it's saying connected. like, you guys can keep going, but I'm not going with you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and that's kind of the setup to your main point of the morning. Uh, yeah, tell which, me what my main point was. Which was God is there uh-huh. and he is not silent. Yeah. God that's true. has spoken. God has yeah. acted and, decisively. And so in this instance where God is there, his presence is available. The Israelites are faced with this idea that they could keep going, go on to the promised land, uh, probably have success. The people there would be driven out. They would have a nice, safe place to live um, but God's pretty much done with the whole situation and his presence won't be there. And uh, Moses gets in a bit of a, a kerfuffle with God about it. <laughs> That's a theological term, Aaron. Yeah. Kerfuffle. Yeah. This was a hard chapter because there was so much good things to emphasize. Right. Like, okay, God's saying, I'm not going to go with you. Then you could have emphasized the whole face-to-face talking to Moses thing. Then you could have emphasized the either of those questions that he asks mm-hmm. afterward, like, help me to know you. You could have done a whole sermon on, like, knowing God. You know, then you could have done a whole sermon on, if you don't go into the land, we're not going to the land. And then you could have done a sermon on, show me your glory, you know? Right. Or I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, yeah. For sure. That one especially. I could have just, you know, launched off of Exodus 33 and just gone to Romans 9 and just done a sermon out of Romans 9 (laughs) on that, you know, Paul's explanation of that sort of idea. So, yeah, there was like so much good stuff in there. The hard part is like, what is all of this, all these slices of the pie, communicating like in this moment and i don't know i took a stab at it the god who was there and <laughs> who was not silent. <laughs> took a stab which was how you closed your sermon right 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 You're like that and that's if there's that's one what thing i, I hope I you walk know. away with is this i don't know i tried i tried <laughs> <laughs> honestly like <laughs> hey you know i hope that was persuasive that the god who is there yeah you know like Another question I could have asked is like, as a title or a theme is like, what do you want? Because you can't have it both, right? Like you can't live in sin and active rebellion and transgression and have me there. Like that's just not going to work. So what do you want? Like, do you want me or do you want to do what you want to do? Do you want to live with me on my terms or do you want to subject you know, me to your terms, which I'm not going to do. So, cause I'm God and you're not, it's, you know what I mean? It's it seemed like, like that was the emphasis of the, those first 
six verses. Yeah, yeah. Where they were taking off their ornaments. Right. So you mentioned this whole idea that some people like are cool with God's stuff. Right. But but they don't want God. The blessings that come along with God, but not God himself. Right. And I think that first section is kind of a bit of the people repenting and saying, we know that you gave us this stuff, but we don't need it. We want you. Right. You know, like what you didn't, sure. you didn't like really hammer it, but you mentioned that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I said like, it seems like from their demonstration that repentance was real. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, geez, man, we've really screwed this up. And yeah. so we're like removing these ornaments, which is something God commanded them to do. Yeah. What Moses commanded them to do. No. Yeah. God. God says it. Yeah. Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are stiff necked, <laughs> which he repeats multiple times. Um, so now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that is like God is saying, yeah, this whole, this whole issue of, do you just want the benefits that come with being my people or do you mm-hmm. want me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it seems like they respond in grief and they get rid of the ornaments and they don't, it says they never put them back on. Is is it clear what the ornaments are? You know, are they like uh phylacteries or whatever we see later, you know, the boxes that? that you wear. No, no, it seems like just jewelry. I think you know? so. I think it's just, just jewelry. Yeah. It's, it's not a religion. It's nothing of like what the priests might've been wearing where they have these things in, you know, boxes and all these uh, I mean, symbolic ornaments. Like it's, it's the, just earrings and necklaces. And, yeah. Okay. The few commentaries I read was like, these are just, Ornaments, earrings, you know, necklaces, all that stuff that they would have gotten out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Which probably had Egyptian god like imagery or influence. It had to sure. have some of that. Yeah. Most of the stuff we see from Egyptian like history that's collected has references to a lot of their yeah. false deities. I don't know. I don't know if they were wearing those things as like a nod to Egypt, though, as more of just a sign that they beat them. They looted. They looted <laughs> yeah, they them. looted them. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're wearing your clothes. We took your shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and we won. You know what I mean? It's more about that than them <clears throat> accepting their religion because obviously they lost. Why would they yeah. accept their religion? I mean, know? and they got those things because <laughs> God miraculously delivered them right. and allowed them to loot their neighbors as right. they left. Like, that was a part of the reward, so to speak, that God was giving them. So, in one sense, it was like loot their neighbor. Yeah, like total defeat and all that other stuff. In another sense, it's like, no, they're just taking back what like they should have been owed for their work for mm-hmm. all those years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they built that place. And that's so we're going to take the spoils of it, you know? And uh, I don't know. That's one way of looking at it. Instead of looking at the Israelites as a bunch of thieves and robbers, you know? Yeah. They're, oh, yeah. They were the ones that were had been stolen from mm-hmm. because they were right. enslaved. In this Egypt, nation you know? was built on their backs. It's right, back, right, back right, pay. right, right, right. Right, right, right. Back and that's like a works in more ways than one. The other influence I had though for the title was just the overall series theme, the God who is. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. the way we've been approaching this whole book. And like every chapter is not every chapter has had that idea, but if it's there, like find some sort of like the God who is present, the God who is provider, the God who is deliverer, the God, you know, all of these things. And this one sort of struck me where this idea of God not being there. Mm-hmm. And then it just, I don't even know where it came to my mind. I was like, isn't that a book title? The God who is there. And then I was like, Googled it. And I'm like, oh, this is like that Francis Schaefer book. That's really famous. And then like, you see the list of Francis Schaefer books. And then it's like, oh, he's got another book called he is there. He is not silent. And I have not read these books. Though I have both of them, <laughs> but they're on the the list of essential Schaefer that I need to read. But I did start reading the opening chapters of Francis Schaefer's book, The God Who Is There. And it's like an apologetic, philosophical apologetic for the existence of God and, and what is true truth. Um, there is a truth and then there's the truer truth, you know, the essence of that. And he kind of mentioned something in there about like God's existence as the foundation of all truth. And uh, anyway, so I just read like the first 20 pages or something like that of this book. Definitely got me curious to keep reading it. But um, that's where the title kind of came from and where I think a little bit of my uh, 
thought going into it was like, oh yeah, Exodus sort of starts that way mm. of like, well, Genesis begins that way, which is what I mentioned, like before anything was there, God was there. This is the foundational truth. And, and then Exodus, we're, we're wondering, is God there for us? Um, not necessarily, I'll use this big fancy word, not from an epistolo- epistemological sense, right? Like the study of truth that goes back to Genesis one, but from an experiential sense, right? like, but we're your people and we're suffering. Like, are you there in like a, uh, a kind way, a caring way, a sovereign way for your people, you know, a mediating way? Are you good? Like those kinds of things. God, are you even there? Do you care? And then all of a sudden you see this thing like, oh, he, he was there for Moses and he, and he was going to use Moses in the life of the people. So anyway, I, I guess I started seeing that theme come out to me hmm. as I was reflecting on this passage and then thinking like the God who has always been there, who was there in the beginning, who was there for Moses every single step of his life, even before he knew he was there, he just said, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Like that, that carries a lot of weight mm. in regard to the threat. <clears throat> and it wasn't like an empty threat. This was a real threat. Like I'm moving on, you know? Right. And I think bringing all of that context in and the foundation of all truth that God's existence and things like that, that's, it makes the, it brings a lot of weight to Exodus 33. Mm. So and, anyway. and it describes that, that, you know, saying of God that he's not going to be there as a disastrous word yeah, yeah, that led yeah. them to mourn right. and repent. So uh, yeah, I thought it was really powerful. And then the second part of that main idea is that he's <coughs> there, but he also communicates. Yeah. So then we get into this tent of meeting, mm-hmm. which is the first, we've been talking about them building a tent, a tabernacle, uh-huh. but they haven't built it yet. Uh-huh. So this is what Moses calls the tent of meeting. Um, so this is like a different tent. A different tent. Yeah, that was new to me in the... <laughs> You're like, I forgot about <laughs> in that. In my reading, yeah, I'm like... His extra tent. So he had a, a tent, Then this is, it's very explicit. It is not near the people. Not this near the people. out of the tent. It's outside the tent. Oh, well, yeah, good, by the way, good, it's, good, not, in the t- it's right. not in the camp. It's far away. Good know. reminder when reading the Bible, when an author makes a repetition happening, he's probably <laughs> making some very strong point. Did you right. pick up what I'm laying down? It's outside the tent <laughs> he, or the God, camp. This is yeah. not the tabernacle. God does not want to be near at he, that point. Right. And Moses doesn't want to be near them. He's like, you guys are lame. <laughs> You're the worst. But like the people, it's, it's his description from 7 to 11, where they're standing at their their own tents. Right. And they're watching Moses walk through and out <laughs> of the camp. Like they have to be wondering, what is God going to say to us? Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And then he's out there. And of course, God appears in this pillar and right. meets with Moses. I'm going to be honest. This is totally unrelated to the mm-hmm. to the actual application. <laughs> but it, for some reason, it made me think of people who like have every available opportunity to go to church, mm. but they watch online from their houses, <laughs> other people worshiping the Lord. And they just like, oh, look at those people over there, you know, worshiping the Lord. And they pretend like they're worshiping in their house. And and yet, like, I don't know. I was just like ranting in my own mind. <laughs> Did on you that. have? Like, yeah, you wanted to mention it. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's a one-to-one connection. No, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. not but really it is apply. interesting. So all these people at the at the tents, at the doors, they were watching. Tent. They were watching Moses online. They're watching on YouTube. <laughs> <They're> yeah. watching. <laughs> <laughs> they they had the ability to go, but you know they didn't. Well, that and was so. kind of one of the things they had. So Joshua went with Moses. He did go. Yeah, but it and it says that he he didn't depart. And my assumption is that Joshua, of course, is is the predecessor of Moses, is learning. He's his like he's his right hand guy. And uh, he's just guarding the tent, maybe, so people can't come in, or is he just watching, or what? Like, I'm curious. Did you look into what Josh was doing at all? It's very small in the text, but I mean, well, what do you think is like the purpose for even mentioning Joshua at all? I think he wanted to be, yeah, near God. He, no, he, I'm saying, why would Moses, when he was writing the Book of Exodus, 
why would he even include this little footnote? He, I think to he, add well, Joshua? He's, he's establishing his credibility to the people because eventually sure. he will turn over the power of exactly. the leadership of Israel to, to Joshua. Right. Here's a guy who back when I was still around, he was pursuing the Lord even then. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's qualified to lead you now into the promised land when Moses is gone. Yeah. And so you see that several times where Moses inserts Joshua into this story to affirm to the people that he's always been there. And this is the guy that God's calling. This is the quality or the kind of person that he is. He's the one that was on Mount Sinai with me. Right. And he didn't go up as high as me, but I'm, but he was there. He was there at the tent of meeting. When I would speak to God face to face, he was there and he would linger after I would leave. And you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of what the purpose of that. Right. Joshua, mention of Joshua. Interesting. Yeah, that verse was interesting. It was puzzling a little bit. I was curious what Joshua was doing, if he was just soaking it all in. Like, it's that could be it, you know? He just I, yeah, I, I think he was just like, I mean, why would you leave? Hmm. I mean, if the prayer You're meeting feeling is God's good. God's presence, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, like, God's presence is there, the glory cloud, why would, like, that's, I think Dave brought that out in the uh, right. communion meditation, like, if... If, uh, where else would you want to go? Like you're basking in the presence of God. Like what I'm going to go back and like the game is coming on right now. Like, no, you're going to stay right there. Um, right. Well, yeah. Uh, it's funny that you said, cause, uh, Emily Chesney in our small group mentioned, she said, uh, she's like, I don't know what the connection is, but I just keep thinking of the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly his disciples' reaction to it. They're like, let's stay here. This (laughs) was cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's stay and just worship in this place. And that's probably Joshua's reaction is like, this is rad. Like, I'm not necessarily experiencing what Moses is, but I'm experiencing something and like, I got to stay here, you know? Sure. Well, I think we see the same thing with fast forward to Elijah and Elisha. Right. Elisha is following Elijah and seeing all the things that he's doing. And then when Elijah is like, Hey, my ministry is about to be done. What can I do for you? Elijah, Elisha won't leave him alone. And then he's like, man, whatever you have, I want a double portion of it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, if you see me, I, I can't give that to you. The Lord can give that to you. But if you see me leave, then, then you can know for sure you're going to have that double portion. And like from that moment on, like he won't take his eyes off of Elijah. He's like, I'm going to get this double portion. And he tries to be sneaky about it and get away, but eventually he does see him get taken up in the chariots of fire or whatever. But I think it's the same sort of like passing the baton on. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who like longs to have what Moses has, you know, mm-hmm. and and to experience the things that he's experiencing in the Lord. And Moses is being cool and inserting him in the literature to sort of inform the historical context of what's going to happen later on. Joshua's going to take over. And I don't know, it's an interesting story. But yeah, I, my cur- my, I'm, I'm curious though, could the people go to the tent? Or like did Moses, and this is not clear in the text. So I'm, no, I'm it's because it's kind of weird because it, it kind of says they do go to the tent, right? Right, right, right. When? Eight, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Uh, no, sorry, uh, not eight, maybe seven. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of That's meeting, right, which right. was outside the camp. But so, then the very next sentence, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at their own tent door. Right. Which makes it sound like they're not at the tent. They're at their own tents. I think, so I, think kinda, both, yeah, I think both are true. Some went to church. Some decided to sit home and watch it online. Is that what? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my god. Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm curious about. I thought that Moses would, <laughs> would um, do some of the, like, dispute like settling of disputes and stuff maybe during that time i don't know is that where he would do some of that or no no i just worship i think or or intercession and prayer and communication like i think verse 11 right that's kind of the point of that is at the tent of meeting the lord would speak face to face as someone speaks to their friend you right. know and i think it was where moses would meet with god and pray and talk to god and intercede on behalf of the people and i think that's sort of the point, and I, I made this, I at least I tried to make this clear, that the reason why that section is there about the tent of meeting is to give the context for where and how the next conversation happened. 
mm-hmm. where Moses asks God these three questions right. concerning his prior statement about not going into the promised land with them. It was at the tent of meeting. It was in the context of a relationship that was rich in quality. And so he felt the freedom to say the things that he said to God, knowing God and knowing what's at stake. And it, yeah, you know what I mean? so it's like the establishing shot in, in a movie or TV show or whatever. You have that outdoor exterior building and then you go inside the building. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like it, it, it describes the where the conversation's happening and then we zoom in and now we're actually seeing this conversation between. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. yeah, or like, you know, you, or just, yeah, in a movie, it's like you've got the character development, and once you develop a character and you understand the relationship between one person and another, now you understand why something is happening, why there's so much drama or animosity or why they're partnering together, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that as the reader, when you listen or like see Moses ask the kinds of questions that he asks, you're almost like, who does this guy think he is? Right. <laughs> saying the things that he's saying. To God. And then I think the tent of meeting is sort of answering that question already. Like, well, the reason why he's able to say these things is because God had this kind of like face-to-face relationship with Moses. And um, anyway, so that's Did what he gave though? This is a puzzling part of it um, because obviously it says, yes, he talked to him face-to-face. Then later God says, you right. can't see my face. Right, right. Live. So... You mentioned this a little well, bit. Well, number, but. yeah, it turned for, numbers describes it as he spoke to him mouth to mouth. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. That's weird. Yeah, dang, that is <laughs> very intimate. That is, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Moses and God, and God were very close, but but God, and it also describes that, that God has a hand that He uh-huh. covers Moses with. Right. He has, a, you know, a face and also a back, or as you said it. I thought this was a, a good term to use, the wake of his glory or uh-huh. his goodness. Uh-huh. I thought that was an interesting word to use. I uh-huh. think it's helpful. Um, I don't know, but does God have those things? Like, isn't God's spirit? Isn't that what John says in John 4 or Jesus says to the woman at the well? Is this a leading question, Rob? <laughs> yes. He's got feet too. <laughs> He's got feet. He's got teeth. <laughs> He's got nostrils. Yeah, that's, dude, Rob, that's Rob's favorite. He o- yeah, he He's opens got nostrils. <laughs> he opens the Red Sea with the blast of his nostrils. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So what you're saying is you're leading into something to say this is an anthropological. Ooh. Uh, anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Yeah. Anthropomorphic. An- anthropomorphic is right. Um, expression. How to do you spell that word? <laughs> anthropo. Yeah, there's a P in there. It's P U Y A L L U P. I don't know. (laughs) Puyallup. That's funny. Um, Anyways, anyway, what does that mean? He's using words to describe God in ways that we as humans can understand this, right? So he's trying to describe, I mean, even the word is like, as a friend. You know, as, as someone would talk to their friend, right? So it's a, it's a likeness. Mm. This is the kind of relationship they had. He's not being literal. He's being figurative sure. with the expression. So literally, you cannot see my face and live. Figuratively, we have a face-to-face relationship. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's like a helpful way to, to yeah. explain that. Yeah. 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 They have a very close relationship, <laughs> uh, mouth to mouth, some, some would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but-, but I oh, like good. that better. I was, mouth I was, that's yeah. That's some people are close that. talkers. You know what I mean. <laughs> Moses and God yeah. talking real close. Um, yeah, I was. But do you, I feel like this section also does establish some of that repentance too? You know what I mean. Like this is a pretty big contrast from the last chapter. Moses is up on the mountain. Out, you know, he's outside the camp. They could journey to the foot of the mountain and worship and come back to camp. You know, periodically. And instead they make a calf and worship. And now here, like they're worshiping the true God again. Right. Mm. So, I mean, it does kind of establish that there's at least some level of true repentance for sure. Oh yeah. Did you guys, yeah, I agree. Do you guys think that, well, tell me about how your life groups discussion went in regard to the conversation that he eventually had. Did you guys get the sense? Cause I made the statement that Moses was sure of these three things, that God is there, that God called him to deliver his people out, 
and that he had found favor in his sight. Moses was sure of those three things. There, But I still have a lot of questions for you. Did you guys in your life group pull that out? Because I had some in my life group who did not feel like Moses was assured of anything and mm. that he was like struggling to find assurance um, in his relationship with God and all of these things in, in all those three areas that I just mentioned. Mm. And so did you guys get that too, or did that not even come up in your groups or as I even bring that up? I don't feel like we hit on that a lot in terms of like piecing out the individual parts of that conversation. I don't, I don't remember. Sometimes I'm thinking ahead to where, where we're going with the next question. So someone from my group can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I don't remember like really analyzing the ends, you know, the, the individual statements <clears throat> within that conversation much. Okay. You don't remember yeah, I don't, I don't know that we got deep into that. I think the thing that is shocking, though, is the way in which Moses interacts with God, which is referred to in verse 11, how you, you mentioned this, how um, certain people you can speak to in certain ways yeah, and yeah. other people you can't speak to them that way because right. you don't have the relational credit to do that. You, uh-huh. you can't, you know, say hard things because you haven't built built that relationship yet. Um, so I, that was the the part of this interaction that is most kind of shocking. And it, it's, it's interesting. It, I mean, I guess it may be for us, it gives us some, I don't know what, what kind of like practical things can we learn about how Moses interacted with God that we can, we can apply in our own interactions with God. I mean, I think I said some, but do you, do you, that's a great question. That's yeah. maybe like the question of regard to application and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's honest, um, Moses. So he's not holding anything back. Right. Like, I agree with you. I think he was, I think he knew what he knew. He wasn't confused about that. Um, but at the same time, he, I think he was trying to persuade even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he's doing in intercession is persuading that if if we go without you, we're nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that's his argument essentially to God. And um, he's, so I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> is there room for that in our own prayer life? To just be like, <laughs> I don't know, that, that's hard, you know? Obviously we have a different relationship to some degree than, than what Moses had. Uh, but at the same time, we have an even closer relationship in some ways too. So, I mean, I, how I answered it was like, when you go through things in life or when you experience maybe even, maybe even just reading the Bible and you read a story, a story and you come across something and you're like, that makes no sense to me how that could be true based on everything else I already know. But I guess what I'm saying in life experience, you'll experience things that seem contrary to everything that you know about God. And yet you can't like, now, now the things that you don't know about God are untrue. You have to go back and, I guess, go back to the drawing board, go, go back to the dugout and go back to the things that you know for sure, the fundamentals. I know God loves me. I know God's there. I know God loves me. I know that he is for me and not against me. You know, like all of those yeah. rich gospel truths marrying the character of God to what he has said and promised to me in scripture and proved to me in the gospel why you have cancer, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why you lost your child, I don't know. Why your, bo- your boss fired you after 30 years in the company, I don't know. But, and you can struggle with that. Like, God, what's happening right now, you know? Why my, my adult son still doesn't believe. Like, you can keep coming back to these things and, and acknowledge the mystery and yet not deny the things that you know. So when you're struggling with something in life experience or in theology, okay, an applied theology or an actual theology, right? Like I'm reading a Bible passage and it's not making sense. How does evil exist and a good God exist at the same time? The classic like theodicy question. Um, I have to hold on to the things that I know for sure and never, ever let those things go because if if I come back to, I think, the drawing board, everything will kind of make sense again. I'll use Psalm 73 as an example. Psalm 73, the problem that the guy has in that psalm 
is God, why do the wicked prosper in their way? And the godly seem to be suffering in their lives. Why do the wicked people who hate God all of a sudden have richness and wealth and prosperity, and yet the people who have dedicated their lives to you are the ones struggling and suffering? This was his observation. This was the conclusion he came to based on observation. And then the climactic moment of Psalm 73 is, until I went into the household of God, then I understood their end. I came back to the truth of the matter and saw the bigger picture of they may have temporary pleasure now, but in the end is destruction. These people may have current suffering and hardship now, but their end is eternal joy and happiness uh, because of their faith in union with God, you know? So I think like you can have those moments where you're sort of struggling with your experience but then when you come back to a proper theology of God and what he's doing, then everything becomes clear again. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the moment, it can be, be, feel very unclear. And I think that's kind of what he's doing here is he's going back to what he knows because there's a, th- a lot of things he doesn't know. Yeah. And, and so in order to understand those things, he's coming to God and he's acknowledging th- the things he knows and the things that God has promised and then moving forward on that. And I think that's what we as Christians should do. Like whenever something is confusing to us, we should just come back to the things that we know and not necessarily like worry per se, or feel like we need to come to a hard and fast conclusion about a mystery or attention in scripture, but just like accept it and then move on because we know for sure certain things God's good. And, and I think that's what, why he says to him, uh, I'll let all my goodness pass before you mm-hmm. and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion and mercy on whom I will have mercy. Like these are the things that God is highlighting to him because he's struggling with like the justice of God and, you know, judgment and all of these kinds of things, like what's going to happen. And he's like, listen, I'm good. Mm. I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you and you're going to rest on that, you know? And we're going to see that this more this next week when he proclaims his name to him, which is one of the greatest texts in all the Bible. Yeah, I think that was helpful because it's like he he has questions and Moses said, please show me your glory. It seems to come out of left field. Like they finished their conversation. God says this very same thing that you've spoken, I will do. I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to leave you. You know, I'm not going to let you go alone. Then Moses says, show me your glory. And you mentioned how this is sort of a way of um, having some assurance of the goodness of God. and the, But then also having a better understanding of who God is. Right. Right. And I think that was, that was an interesting way for me to think about it. I always just thought it was kind of like, like you kind of said, like, give me some proof. (laughs) Right. Give give me a proof that, you know, Hey, can you sign this document right here that you're actually going to come into the promised land with us? You know, Um, give me proof of what you said. I mean, Abraham does this too. <clears throat> in the in the covenants mm. um, where he asks for proof and that's where God says, okay, take a couple animals, cut them in half. And he, and he, it's the famous covenant uh, demonstration yeah. where it's a, like a flaming pot and a melting pot or something like that. And they pass through these two, these basically pieces, animals cut in half. Mm-hmm. And the demonstration is that that person who passes through these things, if they break the covenant, let them become like one of these animals, you know, dead basically. Right. And God makes this covenant with Abraham. And because the question is, how do I know these things will be true? And then he's like, basically on penalty of death and my death, that these things won't come to pass. Yeah. And so Moses doing that same thing, like asking for a sign, but he asked for like, the, the coup de gras, you know, he asked for the big side, like, show me your glory, you know, give me the full <laughs> manifestation of who you are, which is just an audacious request, like as if we could comprehend that. Right. So he sticks him in a rock <laughs> and he does, he can't get the whole thing, you know, cause it's impossible, which if there was one thing I did not like about my sermon, hmm. It was the fact that I couldn't spend more time on this whole, like, being hidden in the rock thing. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's your, like, easiest gospel connection in the whole yeah. chapter. Well, I, tried I, to, the... I tried to lean on the, like, uh, God 
proved he was there in the incarnation kind of a yeah. thing and the glory. Like I, I, anyway, that was where my sermon was going, but that's a pretty like low hanging fruit gospel connection. If we get to experience the glory because we're hidden in Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> eat the grape. It's, it's funny though. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to peel the grape. Just yeah, eat it. Don't dice it. Yeah. Just, it's the grape. Just eat it. Just pick it. Just put it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my mind definitely went there as well. The opening of John's gospel, uh-huh. Jesus, we've beheld his glory as the only uh, glory from the father. That, that I think was a really good way of doing a direct connection between the glory of God and the person of Christ. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that rock he's put inside a cleft, a crevice mm-hmm. and he's covered by the hand. time. Yeah. That's the whole scene is pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild to think about. Yeah. But I think that's the connection is like, how do we experience the glory of God? We experience the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ mm. and by faith in him. And we are able to experience the glory of God even to a greater degree than Moses did because we are both hidden in Christ at the same time and experience the glory of God in Christ. And all of this Paul is going to tease out because the next section is the shining face of Moses after this, mm-hmm. which Paul then tees off to say his, the member of Moses and that great story of his shining face and how wonderful that is. Well, his, he had to cover his face That's right. because the glory was fading. But you Christian, you have shining faces and the glory is shining. It's increasingly shining. And, and anyway, Paul is taking, oh, remember that great thing? We have something even greater. And, and yeah. it's going from one degree of glory to the next. And you are, as you are being transformed and conformed to the image of Christ day by day, right? From what is one that degree reference? of glory to the next. This is uh, With unveiled faces. Second Corinthians, first Corinthians. We need to look that up. Seven, five, somewhere. I don't remember. Stay somewhere tuned. in there. That's next week. Well, talk. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's coming up. So I don't want to tease off too much. <laughs> but my yeah. point is, is I, yeah. that's the, uh, the, the glory idea, the gospel connection. So I'll make more of that connection maybe in a couple of weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big things we take away, right, is just Moses was speaking with God on a regular basis. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. we also should be, we should be in prayer. We should be praying for others. We should be getting alone. You don't have to like <laughs> take a tent in the desert, but you can find somewhere to be alone, mm-hmm. right? And spend time with God in a on a regular basis because we we have his presence with us. We have the Holy Spirit if we have, you know, if we are saved. Um, you know, mm-hmm. probably there's someone maybe listening that isn't, um, but we have his presence with us, but we can ignore it. You know, that the functional atheism you right. referenced, right? right? I mean, I probably, I'm a functional atheist for an hour, an afternoon, a day, <laughs> you know, like, easily, easily, <laughs> you know, like, uh, um, and so I'm living as if God isn't there. And the more we, remind ourselves to be in his presence. I know, I mean, I know there's times I've been reading scripture, praying, meditating on scripture that I've really felt his presence. And I was struck like I, as you were preaching, like uh, that feeling that like, as I was thinking about us, uh, you know, God, Jesus being with you, like by your, you know, <laughs> on the stage while you're preaching, Jesus being with us, uh-huh. you know, like uh, feeling those feelings. And there's been times in my prayer life where I've r- really felt the presence and almost like could feel it slipping away. And it's not that God's moving away from me. It's that my mind is like not staying in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, and just like that feeling of being like, ah, oh, like not yet. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to go yet. But like mm-hmm. my, my own, you know, human mind has lost the awareness <laughs> right. of God's presence with me. And if we don't practice that, if we don't practice interceding for others. If we don't practice uh, spending time with God, like we're not, we're not going to understand or realize his presence with us mm-hmm. as much as if we make a regular practice of doing that, you know, for sure. And, and on the other side of that coin is we, when sin happens, we are essentially 
like Adam in the garden, right? We're, we're running from God. We're hiding from God. And so we're not experiencing the presence of God or God being there for us, right? Not because God isn't there, but because our experience of him is, is, uh, there's something in the way, Mm. guilt, shame, sin, all those things. Yeah. And general busyness, whatever. Right. Right. And I'm busyness could be a, symptom of sin or yeah. guilt or shame or whatever, Good you know, point. but not that busyness is sin itself, but it could, it could be a sign that there's something deeper going on. But in the earlier section, God was essentially offering them a good life. Go into this land. You can have your grandchildren running around. Mm-hmm. It'll be the, it'll be the American dream. It will be the Amer. I'll put it that way. It'll be the American dream, the Israeli dream, but you won't have God. I won't be there. And it's like, I think a lot of people are happy with that. They're totally content with living a awesome life. Your best life now, Joel Osteen, oh, no. your best life now. Let's, I want, I want the American dream. I want the, no, nothing wrong with the American dream. I want the American dream, but I don't want it without God. Mm-hmm. G- give me, give me nothing. <laughs> Let yeah. me lose it all, but I don't want to like lose God. I think that's, that's what people need to wrestle with when they come to Christ in the beginning. Are you willing to lose it all? And if if you want to follow the Lord, and that's what he's asking here. Like, do you want it all or do you want me? Like, what? because you can't have it both. But if you take me, you'll get it all. And, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? That's yeah. kind of like, it's hilarious. It's obviously an order of priority. But they in one sense in this story <clears throat> repent but i think i made a statement like what's better like to die with god or to live without him you know i mean in this story it's like the worst thing what they mourn over is that god's not going to be there like right. oh this just got real to go over there but god won't be there i don't know if all that stuff would be all that good anymore you know yeah so that was a good yeah. passage powerful story this was a great text mm mm-hmm. mhm but yeah, I, I mean, you can't do it justice in 35 minutes or 37 minutes or whatever. But next week, Moses is going to remake the tablets. God will rewrite them. Mm-hmm. So is this yeah. the section where I think it is where it's like you can't discern the difference between Moses writing or God writing? I think it actually says it both that Moses wrote these tablets or that and then God, God wrote, wrote these it with tablets. his own finger or whatever. Well, it says cut for yourself because he tells Moses cut for yourself tablets like the first, and then I will write on the tablets, the oh, words that okay. were on the first tablets. Okay, but does he go on and say more? He must. I mean, it's a little I th- But I'm saying, I think he says more in there about how Moses wrote these things. I don't know, somewhere in there it says that. Um, To be continued. Yeah, to be continued. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see. We'll have to do a, a last time on... <laughs> Previously, previously, yeah. Sunday podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's funny. All right. Well, maybe oh, here we... it is. Here it is. Oh, oh, here oh, it is. Oh. And the Lord said to Moses, "Write this word." So he was there with the Lord, <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote <laughs> on yeah, the tablets. Gotta... Never mind. That was God. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll do this instead. <laughs> volunteer of the week. Our volunteer of the week is Melody. Robert. Oh, nice. She's not always a volunteer. Sometimes she's a staff member, she's but she not, also she's not. She's not. Not. She's not <laughs> always a volunteer. Uh, because she's also on staff. Uh, but she also volunteers. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it was just administrative assistance day. That's true. Um, or administrative oh, nice. professionals. Okay. What's the, what's the right word? I don't know. Both. It's definitely not secretary. That has been acts mm. of our culture. Unless you are a secretary. I think mm. you can like still be a, I think you can still be specifically a secretary. What is the um, difference? I don't know what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> She's an administrative professional. She's our yes. office manager. Uh, and she also stepped up and helped out a little bit because on Sunday we had some uh, few volunteer positions that some sort of yeah. yeah. Those fifth Sundays when they come, the pattern doesn't work anymore and then stuff. Uh, can sometimes, but we had no coffee. It was uh, almost the worst thing that could happen to a, to a church. Would yes. you, is that right? Am, am I getting that category right? Yeah, That's the I worst thing so. that can happen to a church? It's high up there. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> and then like 
Persecution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Or right. God not being there. That yeah. would be <laughs> right. A church where God has left the building. If is not coffee good. is not there, is God there though? <laughs> <Just> well, <laughs> maybe maybe our experience of him wouldn't be. <laughs> but yeah. But if you if you've ever called the church or emailed the church, you've probably interacted with Melody and you know uh, what a special person she is. The kind of joy that she brings to mm. her job. The uh, above and beyond <laughs> that mm. that she does. And so, yeah, if you get a chance, tell Melody uh, that she's the volunteer of the week. Tell her how much you appreciate her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will keep going. I think Rob is ready Rob's for got this trivia. segment. Let's go. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Oh, wait, wait, wait one second. Melody Roberts is the volunteer of the week. <laughs> Anyways, the moment's passed. Yeah. Recovery. Okay. Re- redo the Bible trivia, Sting. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Mostly because I really just like your little uh, your little tune that you wrote. It yeah. gets stuck in my head all the time, dude. It's catchy. Okay, so in this section of the scripture we looked at, obviously Moses has a, a vision of God. He sees God in some respect. So this section of the, um, of the trivia is Aaron's entitled... Visions of God. Yeah, put your phone down. Okay. okay. Aaron's Googling. Um, there's a few questions in here we might consider, but here's one. Uh, we'll start with who, besides Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon his throne? Ezekiel? I, I, yeah, I feel like there's more than one answer to this. Because I would say John. Yeah, John from Revelation. on the island of Patmos. Does you he say Ezekiel? Him? Didn't I even Ezekiel think Daniel, see the train of his robe or is that? Isn't one of, let's, let's look. Who, wait, wait. So uh, what, what was it? You said besides Isaiah, besides is it Jacob, like the angels ascending no, and descending? That's not from the, the throne. No, that's that's not, not the throne. throne. No, it's just the ladder. I, Although I feel like a, there is John on the that island is one of, of the questions. Who saw a heavenly ladder with the Lord standing above it? And that's mm, Jacob. Oh, so he was standing. He wasn't seated. Let's on his see. Throne. This is who besides Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne. They say, "Is this right, dude?" See, this is why there's got to be more Do than it. one. Who do they say? Uh, what is it? Micaiah, Second Chronicles 18, Okay, 18? okay. But who, who else did they list? That's the only one, but I, I know that there's a no. throne room scene in John. Um, that's, what, that's what they say. This I don't know. Maybe it's referring to Old Testament only. What, what's what's the category you're in? Right. Visions of God, which Whoa. John clearly has a vision of God on the throne. I would think that is pretty true. Oh, that's strange. Um, how about this one? Who had a vision of the Ancient of Days seated upon a throne? That was Daniel for sure. That's Daniel. Ancient of Days. Ancient of Days is Daniel. And the other question, who besides Isaiah saw the Lord <laughs> sitting on the throne? Is, and they don't say Daniel. They say this other prophet, Micaiah, oh, from Second Chronicles. So this book, I decided, is bunk. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> Well, but maybe it's because it's the ancient of day. Maybe they're referring to like specifically it said the Lord was sitting on the throne. Mm, Yeah, maybe. Is in in Revelation, does it say the Lord is seated on the throne or he sees Jesus sitting on the throne? Mm, Maybe mm. it's like the, they want the specific phrasing. They saw, this dude saw the ancient of days seated on the throne. Yeah. The ancient of days is a specific expression in Daniel. Yeah. Give us, give us one more. Who, Come on. Who, along with Moses, saw God during the wilderness wanderings? Um, the seventy elders. Yeah, like the uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Yeah, the seventy elders. Come on, come on, yeah. come on. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and nice. the seventy elders. So that Boom. one we definitely knew because we studied it. Recently. Man, we know the chapter. You that guys remember the chapter? Twenty. Twenty-four. Four. Twenty-four. Yeah, twenty is the sure, 24. Ten Commandments. That's right. Nice. Those were good Bible trivias. That was good That's Bible trivia. Good discussion. That's My wife said we needed to work hard at getting better at doing podcasts under an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, what are we at today? <laughs> I don't know. Let's take over under. How long is this podcast? I don't know. She said it to me today, though. Uh, hour, can, and, hour and 10. Have you showed her how to double speed it? If, if you don't you can listen speed to, it, you can listen to it Trust in half me, an hour. she probably does. Yeah, you can listen to we it sound quick. Like we are today... <laughs> Dude... We are under an hour right now. Oh Let's my gosh. go. Boom. Hey, there you Cut go. Cut it off. Cut it off. Your wish, your wish is my command. End of the podcast. Oh, that was the music one. I like that one.
Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org. Thank you.